You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Black politicians, we all need to speak out with what we saw over the weekend. Trying times, but uh, welcome in. As we always do on Monday, best and worst of the weekend, we're just doing best. I know what the worst is. And uh, if you have a best over the weekend, love to hear from you as uh, we try to move this forward. There were so many things that I read, so many things that I saw, and you're trying to sort through this to understand every angle possible. Now, we witnessed a murder. And when you think about it, I, I don't know if we're just so numb to these things because we see violence every day on our TV shows or in movies. This is something that is right there in front of you. And thank God that it was captured on video. But we were witnessing a murder. And you, know, you start to see this person, George Floyd, is there with a knee on his neck for almost nine minutes. And when he calls out for his mama, he's dying right there in front of us. And you start to... You can't process it because we're not, this isn't normal to us. It might be in a movie or in one of our video games or a TV show. And then you realize this is happening. And then what else happened with the protesters, uh, the looting that went on? Uh, but a lot of great voices had poignant things to say. One that stood out, and you probably missed it because she plays in the WNBA, is... Uh, Brianna Turner. She plays with the Phoenix Mercury. And she says, I'm an only child raised by two black law enforcement officers. They have been in service for all, over 56 years. I've had numerous instances growing up where a parent had to suddenly leave because duty calls. But at the same time, that didn't stop the conversations about police brutality. Didn't stop endless conversations about racial injustice within this country. My parents are black and police officers. Off duty, though, I do worry about my dad. He's 6'6", dark-skinned black guy, no different looking than how people would physically describe George Floyd. People don't know he's an officer. People don't know his wife is an officer. People don't know his daughter is a professional athlete. Not only do I have to worry about him on duty, I worry about what people think off duty as well as when he's out by himself. I say this to say being against uh, police brutality does not make you anti-police. I'm for police departments holding one another accountable. I'm for better racial bias training. I'm for training and engaging with protesters. I'm not for fearing for my parents' lives on and off the clock. So this is why I speak out, because I care, because I want better, because I'm tired of the same scenarios replaying in this country. I don't want for police brutality to feel normal. I don't want racial injustice to be an American, America's tagline. I'm tired of it all, and I hope you are too. That's Brianna Turner, WNBA, Phoenix Mercury. Phone calls, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. We're still waiting for baseball to get out of its way, and I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. There's a new proposal. Jeff Passan of ESPN broke this late last night that Player Association, they countered. At first, they said they weren't going to counter the owner's proposal. Well, they've come back, and the question is, does it make sense for everyone? Dan Wetzel 
who has uh, been a frequent guest on this program. He writes a column for Yahoo Sports, and he writes in part, baseball, if it wants to quit on the year, then they should be ready for fans to quit on baseball for even longer than that. The game was already dealing with issues. Slow pace of play, a lack of national stars, various cheating scandals. It can be a lot of fun. It isn't the country's most popular sport anymore. Wetzel goes on to write, Late summer will no longer be baseball's sole domain. The regular season is set to be challenged by the August or even September playing of the NBA and Stanley Cup Finals. Golf majors have been pushed back. The Kentucky Derby, too, and of course the NFL and college football. To not make this work when everyone else has made this work would be a breathtaking level of arrogance. The true details of how hardly matters. In short, there was an agreement from March that apparently no one can agree on what it says anymore. As such, here we are with the clock ticking, both sides looking out of touch as tens of millions of Americans are facing unemployment, reduced wages, as each night a fiery rage engulfs our cities. And then Wetzel goes on to finish his column by saying, no baseball doesn't have to return. Our attention span doesn't have to either, though. It's a bad look for baseball. I think baseball's handled this poorly. They've leaked all of the information. The owner's side has. Players and how they've responded, they're going to be blamed. But they're the ones taking the risk. This shouldn't be a gladiator-type sport where you have to go out there with your life on the line. You know, we talk about life and death. That's not what baseball should be. That's not what sports should be. We joke that it's life and death. It shouldn't literally be life and death. And they're the ones taking the risk there. Do I believe that their owners in Major League Baseball do not want this to come back? I find it hard to believe. Like, you're going to lose money. Do you want to take no money? The Oakland A's are in financial trouble. They've been in financial trouble. Are the Tampa Bay Rays in trouble? Now, those are the two franchises. What about other smaller market teams? What about Pittsburgh? You know, the bottom line is money. There's a price. How many games will be played? Can we do 100 games? I saw where people arguing over, you know, what about the uh, numbers and the stats? And I went, when do we care about numbers and stats with baseball anymore? Isn't that over with? If Jacob DeGrom wins another Cy Young, is it truly a Cy Young? And I went, I don't know. If he's the best over a 100-game schedule, then give him a Cy Young. I'm okay with that. Asterisk. Got to have an asterisk. Go ahead. The whole year is an asterisk. I just want baseball to come back. Because baseball... Baseball should have been the ones front and center. It's played outdoors. There is social distancing. It feels like you could have baseball be played. But if you're going to sit here and argue publicly, we don't care about this. Mike Trout making $7 million instead of $36 million. We don't care. I mean, I feel bad for Mike. That's a lot of money. But are you going to play? It's not my money. Just come back. Baseball, of all the sports, needs this. Imagine if baseball was ready to go. 
people would be consuming baseball at an alarming rate, a record-setting rate, and now you're going to get lost. Golf's back. Hockey's coming back. College football in the NFL in the on-deck circle here. The NBA is coming back. Baseball is going to get lost. And we might say, hey, get lost if baseball eventually gets back. Yeah, Paul. And like you said, baseball is going to have an uphill battle for eyeballs anyway. July and August, the NBA will be in playoff mode. That's when a lot of casual fans tune into the NBA. They pass on a regular season. The football will ramp up fast. They're going to be battling the entire late summer and fall for eyeballs, and they're going in with a, a poor, you know, a poor start. One hundred and fourteen game season. This, according to the Major League Baseball Players Association, they delivered a return to play proposal. This was late last night. Uh, Jeff Passan had it. Um, they would start June 30th, which is pretty aggressive since, hello, here we are, June. And now by the end of the month, and they would play until October 31st. It's expected to be dismissed by the owners. Baseball proposed 82 games. The players want more games, therefore there's more money. Everything is about money. And that's the bottom line here. But... You know, you're trying to figure, are they going to expand the playoffs? That's been proposed from 10 to 14 teams. Uh, They're worried about if postseason is canceled because there's a second wave of the coronavirus. Baseball keeps arguing about this, and every other sport is making progress moving forward. And I think it could be, this could be long-term damage to baseball. And this is knowing your market share, having a market awareness of where do you stand? People aren't talking about baseball. We need it, miss it. We'll move on without it because there are other sports that will come back. And then you're going to hit postseason with the NBA, postseason with uh, Stanley Cup final. You're going to get lost. I mean, good luck. If the NBA moves their season and the postseason goes into football season, and then baseball's trying to do their postseason then, I mean, good luck. You're going to need life jackets because you guys are going to drown and nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to care. Update the poll results, Andy. Okay, do you want NFL players mic'd up or uh, fake crowd noise? 85% mic'd up. Um, is there a, to switch over to baseball? What's that question about baseball? Is the season legitimate? Would you be, would you turn off the sport if they didn't come back? I'm not sure if there's a poll question in that. I don't care about the legitimacy of an 82 game schedule or a 100 game schedule. I just want you to come back. Like we've already missed that. That opportunity is gone. It's too late for that. But baseball feels a little different because I'm still like a stats guy. I want to see the guy with 50 homers and know what that but, means. But you're not going to have it, though. Yeah. That, that's, that option is gone. Now what do we do? If we keep holding on to, oh, this is near and dear to me. If Jacob deGrom wins a Cy Young his third in a row and he goes seven and four, <laughs> I'm okay. Based on his, if you prorate his stats, it would be six and four this year. Yeah, I'm okay with that. If he dominates and he doesn't win and you want to give him the Cy Young, 
give him the MVP. I don't care. I just want baseball, if you're coming back, to come back. And stop airing all your dirty laundry and leaking all these memos and emails. Yeah, McLeod. I kind of feel, though, this is personal, that if Bryce Harper leads the Phillies to the World Series. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I would, But everyone's going to say, oh, well, yeah, but he did it this Accept year. Accept it. Take it. Take it. You're right. By the way, I don't. I would take that at a second. Yeah, yeah, Paul. I understand what Glovin's saying because as a Cub fan, if my team had won the World Series and had won in a zillion and a half years in a strike-shortened season or a whatever-shortened season, I'd be afraid of the criticism. I wouldn't really bother me, but I wouldn't want to hear it. And I know I would hear it because my White Sox friends would be like, oh, yeah, nice. You won, what, you won 80 games? You Half of 80? So what? Right, but... I would not want to hear it. So what? <laughs> I'll take it. So what? Yeah, I just go scoreboard. Hey, we we played the same number of games your team did. Yeah, McLeod. But it wouldn't have been the same if the Cubs had broken the streak in an 82-game season. That would have watered down the story <laughs> tremendously. Do you really think Cubs fans would go, man, we're really embarrassed by this World Series? You know, we, we only uh, won 60 games out of uh, 82 you wait 100 years and that's what you get? Yeah, I think it would be problematic <laughs> for Cubs fans. I don't know. Maybe not, but... God, you're crazy. You don't think Cubs fans would have been like, we waited 100 years and we get a, a World Series that some people don't consider legit? Who cares? You want it with everybody having the same level playing field. It would feel like half a roller coaster ride. Imagine you, you're you watching everyone on the roller coaster and the people in the line in front of you, they get three spins around the, the track and they say, you know what? We're about to close down now. We're going to give you one spin. You still get to go on the roller coaster, but it would feel like it would have a, a weird tinge to it. I wouldn't be mad. I'd be I hate the. Do you think the San Antonio Spurs in 1999 go? Yeah, man, I don't know. That wasn't really an NBA championship. That but was, they got a bigger season in though. They got 50 I, games. Okay, it's still straight shortened season. They have. Yeah, oh, but this God. is way short. I would take it in a second. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hesitate. The like, Cubs are different, though. They had to wait a hundred yeah, years. Yeah, take the Cubs out. Yeah, of yeah. It. No, that was a weird one. Yeah, for two. I want baseball to come back too. But a seven and four Cy Young, or if someone bats four hundred and eighty game season. Yeah, could... but did you see what Jacob Degrom did the previous two years? He, I, I don't think he won more than 12, 11 games. I know. I got to agree with McLevin. There's something about baseball and oh, stats God. where it's just it's that, but some of those things are awkward to me. Yes, yeah, but don't you wonder then how many half season Cy Youngs there would have been near like somebody halfway through the season was just crushing and then lost it in the oh, second half of the season. Like, hey, you were the first half Cy, you were half season Cy Young. Congrats. Look at the number of people who would have won the Heisman Trophy. Like Leonard Fournette would have a Heisman Trophy. There's, there's a couple of those guys at September and October. They were killing it. Okay, yeah. so then we just don't hand out awards. Yeah, how about no game Heisman? How about, Congratulations. Yeah. How about no individual awards there? We just have a World Series champion. Is that is everybody okay with that? That's actually a pretty interesting idea. Listen to us arguing about this. I just want baseball to come back. I don't care if they give participatory trophies to everybody who comes back. Yes, Todd. And what is the social distancing situation as far as the dugout? Is the dugout big enough where people can sit six feet apart? Do you have some of the players in the dugout and some wait in the clubhouse and they take turns each inning, which 15, 20 players get to sit in the dugout? There's a lot of little things there. Yeah, well, I hope they've got all those things thought out here while we wait for the bottom line about the money. I'm hoping in the meantime they're going, hey, travel, uh, how many players, you know, those kind of things. Uh but I, as far as social distancing, I'm, I'm hopeful that they've got those things ironed out 
The bottom line is the amount of money and the uh, length of the schedule. Uh, Justin in Virginia joins us. Hi, Justin. Hey, Dan. How's it going? Good, sir. What's on your mind? So uh, kind of my best of the weekend. I saw it kind of late last night on Twitter, but um, Sean Doolittle, uh, Nats pitcher, had essentially said that the Nats players had come together and that they were essentially going to pick up the slack on the owners uh, cutting the minor leaguers' pay by $100 a week. I know David Price did something similar with the Dodgers last week, but just wanted to get your thoughts on the Nats and, you know, is this an example of what other teams should attempt to do if their owners aren't going to step up and, you know, pay the minor leaguers their salaries? Well, it shouldn't be on the players to do this. It should be on the owners. But, you know, they're trying to do away with a lot of these minor league teams and certainly these players. What David Price did for the Dodger farmhands, I thought was uh, extremely generous. But it shouldn't be on the players to do this. But if they do, I think it's wonderful. A wonderful gesture on their part. We'll take a break. More phone calls coming up. Best of the weekend, what you saw that uh, you liked. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. 18 after the hour. Back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Go to rockauto.com, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. What are you guys doing over there? I don't know if you want to know. Okay, let me, let me read this uh. and then I'll get to you. Got the whole uh, crew in the man cave. RockAuto.com, a family business founded by automotive engineers in 1999. Two goals in mind. First, to give you direct access to all that parts information hidden in the computers and catalogs behind the parts store counter. And second, to make the parts affordable. They offer reliably low prices. At RockAuto.com, choose the part brands, prices, features you want anytime, 24-7. RockAuto.com even has parts you've been told dealer only are no longer available. Parts are delivered right to your home or office. You don't waste time and money hunting for those parts, phoning, driving, waiting in lines. Go to rockauto.com today. Make sure you tell them we sent you. Write Dan Patrick in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. All the parts your car or truck will ever need at rockauto.com. What's going on over there, Seton? Oh, what are the words? Effective field goal percentage? Is that what I just heard? <laughs> what, what's going on, Nicola? <laughs> well, you brought up Bradley Beal. And he scores a million points a game, but who cares if he's not hitting all his shots? Like the best players hit their shots. That's why I don't even know why people talk about points in the NBA. And here's my analogy. Baseball. It's all about batting average. It's efficiency. It's not hits. Nobody cares about how many hits you had. Baseball is batting average. Why is NBA points? And nobody talks about shooting percentage when the great players have great shooting percentages. Then the team, the guys who win like 13 games shoot like 40%. I, I don't know where this is coming from. Why You were saying why no one cares about Bradley Beal. Well, no. Paulie said, do you realize Bradley Beal during the uh, commercial break? He said, do you realize Bradley Beal? Wait, did Bradley Beal average 30 points a game? I said, yeah, close to it. And he goes, no, he averaged 30 points a game. I said, yeah, and no one cares. Right. I'd say- and then I walked over to my side. Next thing I know, you guys are going back and forth over there about Bradley Beal's field goal percentage. I just find it weird that nobody NBA. Why don't they make a bigger deal out of shooting percentage? I've never understood that. And I'll tell you the three best effective field goal percentage guys are Steph Curry, LeBron James, and Kevin Durant. Every year, those guys 
the ball's in their hand, they score very effectively, and they win championships. That's how you win in the NBA. You don't take 100 shots a game like a certain left-handed player in Houston. No, I get it. I mean, Bradley Beal is, it, you know, he's a, a statistical star. Like, he puts up big numbers, and they're meaningless because nobody cares about the Wizards. And Bradley Beal, maybe if he goes to another team, might be better served as a guy who gets 20 points instead of 30 because maybe he'll be playing in playoff games and maybe have a chance to win a championship at some point in his career. But no, it's, it's about volume. It's, it's the number of threes that you can squeeze off. That's, that's what the sport has become. I always find it interesting that Michael Jordan and LeBron James in particular have such a high shooting percentage for high-volume shooters. Jordan, amazing. Wasn't he like a 50% shooter? I think LeBron has a higher field goal percentage yeah. career-wise. The two of them, I mean, I think it's, it's a remarkable fact that they shoot so much and still hit half their shots. Well, Michael has a better-looking shot than LeBron, but LeBron has a better field goal percentage. And Michael probably has more dunks uh, per game than LeBron has in his career. High percentage shots. And then Jordan went down on the post, too, and had a lot of his points down there as well. You know, for a guy who's not supposed to be a good shooter, LeBron has a pretty good field goal percentage. Yeah, Paul. Of the top 25 scorers in the NBA, there's only one guy in the entire league shooting over 40% from three. This, this year, this past season, not in previous seasons. Okay. You're not going to guess it in a million years. He's not a household name in any way. He's a very good player on a team with a super great player. Okay. He's a good player? He's a very good player. A very good player. But he does not get the notoriety because the star of his team gets all the pub. Completely. So he's on Milwaukee. That's correct. It's not uh, Chris Middleton. It is. Chris Middleton's uh, averaging. He's averaging 22 points a game this year, which is nice. Uh, But he's averaging 40. Wait, what do I get for... That answer. I'm going to give you McLovin's uh, Milwaukee Bucks hat that he loves so much. Oh, well, by the way, that that's a ridiculous step because he hasn't seen a man cover him in three years. Everybody on the everybody covers Giannis. The whole team, but just he's like LeBron. I don't care what Chris Middleton does; he is not as good as his stats because everyone's covering Giannis on that team. But he's averaging 42 percent when he takes three, so he is converting for his team because he's open. It's the old, yeah, it's like Steve Kerr could hit every three because nobody was ever covering him. They were all on Jordan. Same. Can, I have to apologize to the audience for the last seven minutes here. Well, well how good it was, and it may not be this good again. <laughs> nobody in America is talking about Bradley Beal today, including Bradley Beal's family. But we're talking about his field goal percentage. He'll get traded. I'll give you another one, another quiz. Oh, if you get this, no. Dan, I'll buy oh. you a six-pack. Who is the leading three-point attempt guys in the NBA this past season? Number one was James Harden. Number two is Damian Lillard. If you can guess the third, I'll buy you lunch. Shooting guard plays in the West. There's your hint. And you're a fan of his. At least you were. Mm. Um, Obscure for this conversation. Mm. Buddy Heald of your sack oh. team. Buddy Heald's jacket, yeah. 9.7 attempts per game. <laughs> I took Oklahoma to win the national <laughs> title a couple of years ago because of Buddy Heald. Uh, we make a big deal about how many uh, times a guy makes the all-star team, which is a reward for a good half of the season, roughly 80 games. So what's the difference if I give out a Cy Young to somebody who's involved in 82 games for Major League Baseball, McLovin? Don't look at me. I was I was a 
Well, you got, no, you were worried about all the uh, the stats. Well, I honestly, th- I've always thought MVP should wait. Why do you not wait till after the playoffs? Because they have an MVP in the playoffs, in the finals. But nobody remembers him. I mean, I think the MVP award should be for the whole season. Why not? I I would have been fine with that. But, you know, you're worried about history, and now you're going to change history. I mean, Andre Iguodala won a finals MVP. Well, what if this year Giannis wins the MVP and flames out early and LeBron gets all the it's way? Call, it's the regular season MVP. They don't call it the season MVP. It's for the regular season. I think they just called the MVP. Well, but it's for the regular season. Yeah, I've, I've always thought they should just wait in all the sports. Huh? But, and, but that's a great point about baseball. Like <laughs> All those years we've caught, talked about All-Star games. And Pro Bowl, by the way. How silly is that, that designation? Yeah, once again, we're worried about the awards that we're going to hand out. I, I just want baseball to come back. I don't care about the awards ceremony. Yeah, Paul. I have a baseball quiz for you, Dan. It's hot. It's hot, hot, hot. And I think you're going to get it. Uh, since 1969, five guys have won the first 12 decisions to start a season. Guys like Steven Strasburg, et cetera, Max Scherzer. Uh, 15 and 0. There was a pitcher. Wayne Simpson? No. There was a pitcher in the, at least 40 years ago, who won the 15, first 15 starts of his career. Can you name it? Wait, so give it to me again. This pitcher opened the season by going 15-0, the best start in Major League Baseball history. And, uh, in modern era. Is he part of a pitching staff that had 420 game winners? You're on to something. So Mike Cuellar, Jim Palmer, Pat Dobson, Dave McNally. Dave McNally was 15-0 for your Baltimore Orioles, Dan. Mm. 19, and they lost the World Series. Not his, not Dave's fault. No. That I know of. Didn't he hit a grand slam in that World Series? Checking. Or maybe it was against the Reds the following year. I think Dave McNally might have hit a grand slam in the World Series. Ron Guidry's on that list. Roger Clemens. Didn't Guidry go like 27-3 and three one year? Like something absolutely crazy. And I think those three losses were by one run. Like a four to three and a three to two and a two to one or something crazy. Yeah, McLovin. Did Fernando have a crazy start yeah. as his rookie year? I th- I would have figured he'd be on this list. I thought it was eleven games with Fernando. Uh, let me get a couple of phone calls in here. Uh, Herman in Tampa. Herman, welcome to the program. Thanks, Dan. Great to talk to you. Um, six foot tall, two hundred and five fat and sassy pounds. Mm-hmm. COVID related, all COVID related. I want to give a shout-out, sir, to NASCAR. Bristol was fantastic this weekend. Brad Keselowski won the race. Clint Boyer, my favorite racer, came in second. Unbelievable. It was great. And also a shout-out to FS1 for all the history races they've had on all the greatest Bristol races and Darlington races and so on and so forth. That has been really, really good during this time. And I want everyone to remember, change your calendar today. It's June 1st, and I've got McLovin on mine saying that he loves New York, and I'm a big Yankee fan. So thanks for everything. God bless you all. Thank you, Herman. Uh, Matt in Oklahoma. Matt? Hey, Dan. Good morning. 510-195. Hey, Dan. Best of the weekend is my six-year-old twin boys had opening day of baseball here in Tulsa. And... um, Interesting. I wanted to know if um, the Major League uh, Baseball owners have maybe trial, uh, tried supplying a full bucket of double bubble 
for the guys, maybe to get them to come back. It seems to work for my little league guys. <laughs> All you got to do is supply the gum, and they come out ready to play. So it was good to be back uh, on the baseball field after being quarantined with two six-year-old boys for two and a half months. And uh, things are starting to open up here in Oklahoma. I appreciate you, Dan. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Good luck to the little ones. Gidry, 25-3. and He uh, won the Cy Young unanimously. 25-3, and 1.74 ERA and 35 starts. Can we find out those three losses here, just for my curiosity? I think they were all, like, really low-scoring one-run losses by Ron Gidry. There's those magical years with certain pitchers. And Gidry was one of those where you just, he would rock and fire Louisiana Lightning. He was, and not a big guy, but there was just something about that. It felt like every single game he was going to win that year. And he just about did going 25 and three. Brian in Florida joins us. Hey, Brian, what do you have for me today? Hey, long time, first time, last time, six foot three, surprisingly soft, 159.4. My best of the weekend wasn't the SpaceX rocket launch, but the, the astronaut's name were Bob and Doug. It was a <laughs> beauty to watch take off, you hosers. Take off! <laughs> Thank you, bro. Hosers. Uh, let me see. When George in Arizona joining us. Hi, George. What do you have for me? Hey, Dan. How are you today? Great, George. Good to have you back. Well, I'll tell you what, Dan. I can't uh, stand anything except I want to go back to uh, some of the stuff that I did when I was with the Arizona Cardinals. I had season tickets. I was on the 40-yard line in the very beginning, down on the 20-yard line. I heard the sidelines, and there are about 20,000 of us in the stadium, and we would all sort of get in and listen to the stadium Listen to the sidelines all game. You would not pay attention to the game. You would pay attention to the sidelines. It was wonderful. Well, I think what's happening is, you know, people, and thanks for the phone call, George, that people don't realize how much you'll hear on the sidelines. And, you know, we have Marvin who answers our phones on the weekends. He'll do football games where he'll be holding the parabolic microphone where he just stands there And, you know, so when you see that guy with the big bubble that he's holding, he's picking up the sounds on the field. And Marvin, during a commercial break, came out and said, do you realize what is said on the sidelines there during a game? And he's listening to it because he has a headset on, but he's trying to pick up the sound of the game. But he said, you'll hear every colorful word down there. I don't know if these players are going to be able to change. But if you're going to try to mic them, you don't need to mic them up because you're not competing with any other sound. You know, Deshaun Jackson said, hey, we should just mic up everybody. I like it. We don't need it because you're going to hear a lot. And I think I think football would have a really hard time editing this in real time. Because who knows what's going to be said in, in, in the course of battle out there? There's a lot of things said and a lot of things that if you're. On a Sunday afternoon, you're not going to want coming through your TV set if uh, it's family hour watching your favorite football team. And the NFL is pretty homogenized when it comes to that. They want to make sure everything's okay. And if you're sitting down with little Timmy and little Sally and 
you hear somebody drop an F-bomb or something. Did you just hear what he said, Dad? Yeah, Paul. What if they have players pre-tape benign words like darn and aw shucks and just pump those in whenever there's an F-bomb? You know, there's a guy there. Instead of dead air, you just hear darn and then move on for all these different players. But you would have to have probably a 15-second delay to be able to put this in. Dave McNally hit two World Series home runs. He had a grand slam against the Reds in 70, and he had a home run against the Mets in 1969. Nobody else is talking about Bradley Beal's field goal percentage (laughs) and Dave McNally homering 50 years ago. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. We have a bunch of new gear available just in time for Father's Day. DanPatrick.com, new shirts, caps, mugs, all with a special message we think fathers can appreciate. That's at DanPatrick.com. More phone calls. We'll give you our best of the weekend. Somewhere Deion Sanders is working out with uh, Antonio Brown, or is it the other way around? Antonio Brown working out with Deion Sanders. And Deion's talking about this great comeback for Antonio Brown. And he's talking about how talented Antonio Brown is. And Dion's missing the point. This has never been about talent with Antonio Brown. It's where's his head at. And the league still hasn't disciplined him. If, if he's trying to come back, even if he's healthy, he's in a great mindset, the NFL, can, the NFL moves on without you quickly. And they could leave him in limbo for a couple of years. I don't know when he's going to have his case heard or if he's had it heard and, uh, you know, have they handed out punishment? Will they hand out punishment since he's not in the league anymore? But they, they move on. You just had this whole new wave of wide receivers who came into the NFL. I'm sorry. I loved Antonio Brown, but C.D. Lamb is in town now. Henry Ruggs. Like, you got guys who are ready to go. And then the next wave, next year's wide receiving core is supposed to be very good, very talented. Antonio Brown, you know, now he's, what, 30? Close to it? He can be ready to go. If you're the NFL, why would you want Antonio Brown back? I wouldn't. And I loved watching him. He's 30, he's 31, he's almost 32 years, he, no, it it ain't happened. He's almost 32 years of age. The NFL will discipline him. I don't know what, how many cases he's got pending with uh, the NFL. Well, not even the NFL, but with police. And then I got to believe the NFL is going to discipline him if he does come back or ask for reinstatement. Yeah, Paul. We mentioned this before, but with his stats, he was flying to the Hall of Fame. Four straight All-Pros. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of guys who make four straight All-Pros who don't go to the Hall of Fame. Did, did you guys hear J.J. Watt? Ask about Bill O'Brien. This this probably got lost in everything that's happening. This is from last week. And J.J. Watt was asked about, I think he was promoting his game show with his brothers. And I think he did one of those, you know, national press conferences, a Zoom call. And he was asked about what makes Bill O'Brien a great coach. Here's J.J. Watt. You're there on the inside. What makes Bill O'Brien a good head coach? He's got two new play callers with him. It's a little bit different role. What makes him good at, at leading this team? I think his job is to is to do just that, is to lead the team, is to 
Uh, obviously, he's more of an offensive guy than a defensive guy, so it's it's to make, lead the overall team, but then to lead the offense. And uh, now with his uh, other roles as well is to general manage, is to do everything within the organization. Um, that's that's his role, and I think that's what obviously he excels at. <laughs> now, if you saw the video. JJ takes his hat like he takes his hat off, runs his fingers through his hair, like he's going, "Uh oh, I have no idea why Bill O'Brien is a good coach." He can't come up with anything to say. <laughs> he's a good coach because well, he does his job. He's because he, he's a coach. Uh... That's why he's a good coach. He's a coach. <laughs> he, he coaches. <laughs> yeah, Paul, yeah. And, and JJ can say good things about anybody. He, yeah. he says good things for a living. He's the king of saying nice things. He could not say something positive about Bill O'Brien. What makes him a good coach? Not even a great coach. What makes him a good coach? He's you know, just a coach. You know, Dan, technically he is our coach. And yeah. when he's there, he's good. And when he's good, we're good. Yeah. And I'm good with that because he's, he's just a coach is what he is. No, what makes him a good coach? Yeah, no, but what makes him good at it? <laughs> well, you know, he... Uh, He's just a good coach. Does his job. He just coaches. It's what he does. He just coaches. Yeah, McLevin. But it'd be better off if he just coached and didn't GM, by the way. Wait until they ask him about what kind of GM he is. Oh, no. You know, they didn't get around to that. Uh, you know, now that we've addressed what makes him a good coach, what makes him a good GM? I saw where JJ's not talking about a contract extension that he says that he sort of wants to earn that. I'm guessing that he's probably saying, I wouldn't mind getting out of here at some point in my career. Yeah, McLove. Wouldn't he be great as a Packer to end his career? Ooh. Yeah. So we could usher in the Jordan Love era. Uh-huh. JJ, JJ Watt would be there. Like next year, you know, you bring in JJ, Jordan Love takes over. <laughs> Yeah, Paul. And historically, when J.J. is positive and bringing positivity, he's got a lot more enthusiasm. I don't know what's happening. Remember a couple <laughs> years ago? Um... Hey, the philosophy of this squad is off the field. We're good-ass dudes. We're nice guys. We do the right thing. On the field, when you step on the field, you're the baddest on the planet. And together, we're the baddest team on the planet. And that's the way we're going to attack every day. I don't care who walks into our building. I don't care whose building we walk into. We're the baddest out there. Texas on three. One, two, three. Texas. <laughs> Off the field, bunch of good-ass dudes. Second people nicely. <laughs> hey, a lot of F-bombs in there, JJ. I know. He whiz. If he didn't know it was being videotaped, how would it have sounded? He probably would have said, uh, hey, Jadavian, why don't you say something? Uh, why did he feel the need to say off the field we're a bunch of good-ass dudes? <laughs> <laughs> Why did he? Why did he say? Well, no, that? he wants to have. There's got to be positive reinforcement. You know how sensitive young young men are. You know they're sensitive to criticism, as my son points out to me. And you know you can say something positive occasionally. Yes, for you can help as many old ladies as you want across the street. But when we get on the field, that's a whole different. Yeah, world. good in the community on three. One, two, three. Good in the community. <laughs> that's how you go into a game. Go and hammer somebody, and then pay my taxes. Anthony in California joins us. Hi, Anthony. What do you have? Hey, good morning, Dan. Morning. Well, listen, I got a best and I got a bester of the weekend, and I got something that I need to talk to you about. Okay. The best is, is the NASA Space launch. I can't tell you how proud I was to see America back in space, and there are no asterisks about it. <laughs> the, the bester of the weekend, my barber is back. Whoa. 
Nice. How bad was the moss, oh, Anthony? The boss, the boss is happy. Now, how's your moss, your hair? Oh, my moss, my moss is a little bit long and shaggy. Needs to be tamed. Good. Needs to be tamed. Mm. So listen, I got, I got to lighten things up a little bit here. Chat Row knows that on Friday a verbal air ball was fired at us. So before things get out of hand, uh, I'm here on behalf of Chat Row to negotiate Mario's complete and unconditional surrender. Ask Tyler. Mm-hmm. Chat row is all about the fun, but we're not going to sit idly by while insults are hurled. So we're not going to fight this airball chucker with conventional insults because that's going to take too long. And ultimately, it's going to make it too painful. We're going to wage an all-out campaign on multiple fronts and ensure that he's left a whimpering mess. I'm not going to reveal (laughs) our entire strategy, but for starters, I think the phrase, suck it, Mario, will become commonplace. There's other weapons. And we're ready to use them, but we're going to keep them secret for now. All right. right. Well, thank you, Anthony. Yeah, Anthony, um, I think uh, Chat Row felt the the shot fired around the man cave. Mario called them Chat Row. I think that uh, the idea of Chat Row being uh, upset that insults are are flying around (laughs) is pretty hilarious. (laughs) I like that they get 75% insulted. of their yeah. content there is yeah. hurling insults at someone. Yeah. And Seton pointed to this out. He goes, wait, wait, wait. So chat rose <laughs> upset that they got insulted by Mario when they spend their whole morning insulting us. It's like chat row is great because if you ever wanted to know what people said about you when you're not around, now you can just read it. Now you can just read it and you're like, wow, this is awful. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Oh. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Todd wants to point out something about the uh, space launch. If the USA astronauts had cheated in any way, what would we be calling that? What would we be putting there? A asterisk. Oh, NASA asterisk. A NASA asterisk. Or an asteroid isk. Space. Uh. Almost got through the second line. <laughs> Almost. A asterisk. It's funny, Chet Rose actually making fun of Anthony now. (laughs) (laughs) Final hour coming up. Dan and the Danettes and Mario, Dan Patrick Show. 